0: Welcome to the Spoken Not Stirred podcast from Studio Free Arts. My name is Dauda Ladijabi, Poet-in-Residence at Studio Free Arts. And every month, I'll be bringing you the latest and best from the world of poetry and spoken word. With special guests, reviews, insider info and some surprises. So, let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Spoken Not Stud podcast. I am your host, Dawda Ladajobi. In this episode, we have a conversation with Phoebe Wagner, who runs CREP Project. We take a look at her journey through the arts and also get to know a little bit more about the project itself. At the end of the conversation, Phoebe gives us a great prompt, which hopefully will get some of you writing as well. So without any more delay, let's get into it. Yes, yes, we are back um, for another instalment of Spoken Not Stirred. Uh, we are we are joined um, by another amazing guest, um, Phoebe. Did do, do you want to do like an introduction, or should yeah. I try to be like a good host and introduction? No, no, no. You should. I will introduce yourself.
1: Yeah. So I'm Phoebe Wagner. I'm a poet and theatre maker, and I run Crep Projects, which is currently working with the Big Deal program and the drama group specifically. Um, and we create, we are currently creating an exhibition um, around their trainers at the moment. But in general, what we do is we create exhibitions exploring train culture with young and working class people. Um, yeah, I also, so I, I started out in uh, poetry and theatre. I, I went to the Brit School and I trained at Rose Bruford on the European Theatre Arts course. Um, and that's kind of led me into writing. I I published my pamphlet in 2019 and doing various um, work with organisations like Omnibus Theatre, Poetry Takeaway. Um, Yeah, I think that's all the ones I can think of at the moment. Um, Yeah, I kind of like, as you can get a sense from from CREP Project, I like to do work that centres community, um, and the kind of like personal in the political so like the everyday p- p- politics of what's happening in the world so that that's me
0: sick sick I'm, I'm so glad I didn't do that intro because that was a that was a great intro <laughs> like, was, yeah and there's a lot there's a lot more that I obviously didn't know about like your guess your drama training as well which is always interesting I'm a fellow actor <laughs> so Yeah, no, I always find it interesting. So, I guess, did you start off being more interested in just the performance side of things and then you went into the poetry or was poetry something that was always... Yeah,
1: so I I started out in in theatre and um, it was actually a workshop um, that I attended through Brick School that got me onto poetry. Um, So, yeah, I grew up I did like dance I used to go to a local youth club when I was little um and I I wasn't very good at dance and it was like just like basic, (laughs) you you kind of it was I was okay I was all right but you know when you're like kind of like just doing it because you enjoy it but you just kind of want to just like dance in your own way right so I was doing that and then um I, I started doing drama classes and I loved that I loved like I loved Harry Potter when I was growing up. So, like, I was like, oh, I'd love to be in film or EastEnders. I used to watch EastEnders every day with my mom. So, I was like, yeah, okay. I was like, the really obvious ways of getting into those things. I didn't like, you know, I grew up in Croydon, um, like right near where the Brick School was. So, I was kind of like in this position, quite privileged position of being like, okay. I, it's like round the corner from me I should just apply for the Brit school and then uh, yeah I did that and that, that's how I kind of got into poetry, I started going to like poetry nights, uh, like boxed in um, and that that's in East London and yeah uh, that's that yeah that's,
0: it. it's, that's the one in um
1: Box, box Park box, yeah
0: box and by Sean, uh, let me Sean not... Mahoney And
1: your
0: the yeah. prayer yeah. yeah yeah um both amazing poets and a great night as well so um yeah yeah it's amazing that's it's it's really interesting and you you touched on something that i, I find really interesting there which is brit school was close to you and that i guess i guess you're saying that was a a drive do you think you would have went down that route if you wasn't so close to brit school do you think you would have found or, or was it very much seeing that next to you and being there that
1: so yeah like my primary school was really close like we we went um we, we went on a trip to the Brit school and I was like seven and I remember like going um and seeing like a musical and being like oh okay that's something that's possible for me and it's like um I think it's important, especially in the work I'm doing now, that we give young people the opportunity to like see things like that and be like, I can imagine myself here. Um so yeah, I think I possibly I, I probably wouldn't have been able to see something like the Brit School or like what they do um without being close to it. Um yeah, I hope that they're doing <laughs> outreach for like different areas outside uh, they have quite a wide catchment area and when you go to the brit school some people have actually moved from um up north even to go to the school um when you're like 16 you know that's like a big deal so it's like yeah it's 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 um it's an interesting place um yeah yeah
0: oh so um yeah it's 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 interesting even the fact that you went on the trip there when you was in primary school, I, I didn't know that was a thing that, um that, must uh, say, performing Art Schools did. So that's, that's quite interesting. So I guess coming from performing and then you found this love for poetry, how did this project come about? Like, I, I just want to know this, that trajectory, because it's such an interesting project as well. And, you know, we'll get into the nitty-gritty a bit, but how did it come about?
1: So I, in... Am actually 20 so in 2020 last year yes last year in February um I'd like for about a year or so I'd had this idea that I wanted to make a solo show about my collection of trainers because I was kind of so disgusted with how many trainers I had but also really like I loved them and I couldn't get rid of them and I thought there was something quite interesting in that like contradiction and I wanted to explore like consumerism I had all of these ideas so I approached on the bus theatre and um, they have a Scratch programme called Engine Room. Um, I just proposed like a short pitch of it um, and they accepted me onto the Engine Room Scratch and I did a Scratch in yeah February last year. Um, And I worked with Rachel Lemon, who is a really great director. And she helped me kind of like create the dramaturgy and really like get my writing down. I had loads of writing, but we just sat down and like put it all together and was like, right, what is what is the structure of this? What is the story we're telling? Mm -hmm. And I also worked with a violinist called Fra um, Bashmiti and she um, created like a score for it and she was working on it and at the time so it was like a scratch I was like okay I, I really enjoyed doing that and you know I saw myself you know I could go to Edinburgh with I could do this it's like which is like the obvious thing that I could do right it's like for me in in the performing arts and like for my theatre background that was like the obvious thing to do but at the same time I had reached out to Turf Projects which is um an arts. uh art space in, in Croydon that um you can send them a pitch of something that you want to do and they'll sometimes have the abil- ability to give the space to you for free so um I pitched something I, I pitched doing prep project with them but as a exhibition and it was like the fact that I'd like pitched I was like okay I'm pitching this exhibition I was kind of like more excited by that I was more excited about working with young people on an exhibition than I was on performing this show. So I was like, well, if I'm more interested in that, then let's try that. So then how how did CREP Project happen? I it, it basically turned more into that we want to work with what young working class people. So I reached out to some artists that I really rated, that they did stuff and I felt that they would be great for the project. So we've got Ben Eccleston, who is our sound artist. Um, Tatenda Machai, who is another poet who assists me with facilitating the poetry stuff. And um, Alex Warner, who is uh, also known as Cool Cat Warner. And he creates visual art, but he has, uh, he's based in Glasgow, but he, yeah, he creates all of the like drawing, sculpture, and um, any of the visual stuff. So yeah, that's that's kind of like the journey that it has, like the long winding journey that it took. Um, but yeah.
0: That's a great story. I, and before I just pick right into that, I just want to ask, what is a disgusting amount of shoes? What what's what's the, what is the amount okay. of
1: shoes <laughs> Cause, okay, I know everyone has like different rates. You know, you know, people have hundreds of shoes. I I only have about 20, 30 pairs of trainers, but it's you know, like. For me at that time, especially also I was getting into uh there's like this whole area of YouTube that is kind of uh, exploring minimalism. And I was watching a lot of YouTubers that were like talking about um being more sustainable and having less clothes and stuff. And I was like, um I I want to do that, but I was like, no, like and I was working at office as well, so I kind of like <laughs> I was working at a shop. <laughs> I was working at a trainer show, like, surrounded by trainers every day, like, getting, like, discount, and I was like, do you know what? Like, there's a whole, there's a whole, like, world in trainers that I love, and I want to explore with people, so, yeah, that's it.
0: No, that that's fair, that is fair, that is fair. <laughs> like, like, I mean, if the discount's there and you're surrounded by it every day, it's, ah, what can you do, what can you do? Um, the minimalist um, movement is actually quite interesting. Um, it's one that I'm... I have to take my hats off too, because it's not easy. It's not easy. So, um, so yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, for people who do it, I think it's like, it's a great concept. And, you know, I think for the majority, I think it's hard for the normal person who is kind of used to a certain level of comfort. to. Mm. Because, yeah, I I did a job with um, an actor who she was very much on a minimalist kind of vibe. And it was like, every day she's got her like cutlery and cups and stuff like that to make sure that she's not using anything else that she doesn't need to, which was, you got to admire it. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, But back to, I guess, the journey. Uh, So that whole conflict of like, I want to put on a show and I want to perform, but then I'm actually more interested in doing this and working with kids. Like, how was that for you Of, of like, you know, you've done all of this training to become a performer but then you find that this is the thing that you're actually more interested in. How, how was that? And how did you make the decision that this was more, this was the route you was going to go down?
1: Um, There was a few different kind of things I was thinking about. I've worked in um, special educational needs schools for about a year and a half as a teaching assistant. And i kind of seen the education system from the inside and like the SEN education system more specifically and was kind of like... This is really, like, young people have such a hard job. So I was getting, they're, they're just having a really hard time and there's not the funding. And I'm, I was getting more into facilitation, um, like getting more opportunities, uh, facilitating my own poetry practice and um, kind of more interested in that. But yeah, I'd had all this training. Um, so with the course that I did, which was European Theatre Arts, um, they train you to kind of be more of a divisor. So the kind of theatre I like to make is devised theatre as opposed to um, being like an actor. So I'm more like a, um, I, I call myself more of a theatre maker because I create the theatre in whatever ways that I need to. So I'm producing something like this, like CREP project, um, but also like perform, facilitating. It allows me to have, Different hats on, almost. Um, so, in a way, I felt like it was a natural. It was a natural progression for me to do this, but I was more seeing in the theatre industry this, um, especially having done. I did the, like the Edinburgh Fringe, that it wasn't very accessible to um, working class communities, other marginalised groups, like it's very expensive to go to Edinburgh, it's very expensive to run a show there, and that means that the kind of artwork that you see at something like The Fringe is not very diverse at all, even though it's trying to be. So I was like, well, doesn't the art have to go into those community spaces? Like, so I thought, like, you know, trainers are... A working class like symbol, something that kids like when I was growing up and before, like even like with sneakerheads I'm talking to before, like kids growing up with trainers and and their their friends and family like waiting for the next sneaker drop. That's been happening since like the '80s and even before that. So it's like, how can we use that as a vehicle for like joy and um, but to explore their young people's perspectives. And come to them rather than expect the arts to come to you. Do you know what I mean? So that I I don't know where the question. What was the question again? Did <laughs> you know, I just like rambling?
0: Uh, no, 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 no. It's, it's interesting. I was I was just wondering how that how that journey was basically from you know yeah. going from performance to boxing.
1: performing. That was it. Yeah. yeah.
0: But um, no, that, 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 was, that was good. That was, was good. last question three. I was like, uh, wait, what was the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, no, nah, that, was, that was really good. And I guess one thing I would, I, I agree with you as well, totally, 100%. I think um, the arts definitely tries to be, um, tries to be diverse as much as it can. I, I very much don't doubt that. Um, but I think it's the way certain things are set up, really, it just doesn't allow for too much diversity. Like Edinburgh is it is it is expensive it's expensive for for people who are maybe even more more established but they still have to do fundraisers to get there so if you don't feel like you're even like in a space to make art you don't also then feel like you go in a space to ask for money to fund your art from other people kind of thing i think there's a lot that that makes makes it restricting for um for yeah working class working class individuals so I guess with that, with that, is that like a conscious thing when you're when you're taking the prep project to different areas? What is I guess the criteria? What is it that you look for for in places you wanted to engage with?
1: So with the kind of so with Studio Three Art, how it works is, and um, we try and find already pre-established community groups, or if possible, um we we we're currently with other future projects we're thinking about how we can um make a selection process that is not about like how much experience you've had or it, but it's about you know um you, the fact that you want to try something new or that you know and that you you might need wouldn't be able to experience it usually so um yeah it's about For us, it's about making sure that the young people that we're bringing on board are like feeling that they can be safe and discuss things in those spaces in our in our project together and creating an exhibition. Um, So we try and create this sense of community if they don't know each other already um, through art making and games and like you know just trying different things um but also if it's pre-established it's about like you know honing in on the skills that they've already established so like with the big deal crew and um, they're already a great bunch that kind of know each other and um, quite a lot of them have, have spent time together doing the other sessions in the drama group so it's about like using those tools being like okay what what are we good at how can we like get better at things Um, But also, yeah, using the trainers and taking inspiration from that to kind of like go where they want to go. It's very much like led by their interests. Um, Like, yeah, like at the moment, um, we're working on the exhibition coming up to the last few weeks with Big Deal. And so we're really thinking about how we're going to curate this space together and allow them to create that space um, for the exhibition and also for the performance. Um, so we'll be launching it in the thir- 3rd of June on Zoom. So how can we make an exciting performance on Zoom that is then performing these poems and these things they've made and sharing it and celebrating that? Um, so, yeah, in terms of how we pull these young people together, it's about trying to go to the arts group. So, like, we're going to Studio 3 Arts to work with their young people. Um, Yeah, rather than sometimes, often like, uh, some arts groups are kind of like, it's a selection process, you have to apply, you have to be really good, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, why do you have to be good And like, I I wanna like, work with young people and facilitate them finding their own route and own path of like, making art. Mm. Yeah, do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, totally. Um, bureaucracy in arts and you know the ways that we get funding and get groups in can be a bit annoying, <laughs> definitely. Just and it can be restricting as well, um, definitely. But that that's yeah, that's that's really that's really good. And um, I guess it, it's always helpful when you just know there's an established group there when you then when you know like this. Yeah, so I have to see where that definitely helps. Before we get into how the sessions run and you know the outcome and you know what the kids did which was great from what we saw was basically a preview wasn't it like that wasn't the finished yeah yeah still a that preview. was
1: a, a kind of preview of stuff what we were working on at that time yeah
0: so yeah so but before we get into that i just wanted to ask like which what difficulties have you like faced with regards to one getting this project running and you know maybe finding the right groups and stuff like that what have you found to be difficult in that process
1: a good question. Um, I think I've struggled with my own like confidence with it because especially starting out when you're not really sure what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. That's what I've struggled with. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I just... I think people in the arts tend to be like pretend like they know what they're doing all the time we don't we actually don't know what we're doing we're just trying things out we're just I'm just trying things out so like I think it's like believe like I've struggled to believe in not knowing where I'm going um if that makes sense so like yeah, like, especially I remember doing, like, creating The Scratch with Rachel. There were stages in the process where I was, like, I've got no idea what, what this is just a show about training. No, no. And um, kind of didn't believe that there was, like, stuff that I was doing behind it and it, that it serves, like, it's enough to for it to be what it is. So sometimes, yeah, and I think I've struggled with, like, really clarifying to myself, like, what is important, um, what is important to me as a practitioner, um also in how I'm running it and how I'm executing that mm. um in a space and being a facilitator but ensuring that like my intentions are clear. So i go into that space I'm like I know what I'm doing for these young people like it's like be like really like learning how to refine and and select really the bare bones of stuff because i tend to <laughs> i tend to do quite a lot <laughs> even when i speak i'm like going all over the, the shop basically so like that's what i am still learning to do is like curating actually curating myself you know just being like okay what is what is the most important thing and i think that's a it's it's just continuous um but I yeah I don't I think the main thing is confidence in not knowing what I'm doing <laughs> yeah. and being like yeah I don't know what I'm doing but we're working it out together I do know this I do know this and like being like okay well if we don't know some things just keep going
0: yeah and that's frightening it's frightening and I think especially <laughs>
1: yeah
0: yeah, that, that for me, especially, it's like if it's in a realm where you're somewhat comfortable with one element of it and then the other side of it, you don't know. And it's like, oh, I know this thing. So I feel like I should know that. But sometimes it's it's a new project. It's a whole new thing that we're doing. So yeah, that is, yeah, it's, that definitely can be frightening. So, and I admire anyone who does that and puts themselves in in new positions all the time to kind of adapt to these things. So that's, that's it's great um oh there was something you said yeah oh yeah I think it it was it was the truth about not knowing what we are doing as artists that is I think this is something that we all need to just be more truthful about (laughs) (laughs) has there been a moment where you had this kind of that kind of realization of like I'm not always going to know what's going on and I need to be okay with that
1: yeah, um, definitely. So I think, so on my course on European Theatre Arts, um, in the first year, uh, they put you, one of the, the first modules you do, you're put into groups of four to five um, and you have to create a 20-minute piece um, in in two weeks. Sure, you think is easy, but you're in nine till nine unled five days a week so imagine like just imagine the chaos of that like you've just started uni you don't really know these people like people are crying people are fighting like it happens it happens because you're in for that long like I don't honestly I don't know why that I do know why they did it there's a reason why I'm saying this but like I think that that amount of time, uh, you're not able to use it wisely. And actually the time that allowed me to just like completely fail, like we didn't create like the best show. I'm not like, you know, I didn't think it was amazing, but I learned so much in that process, just about, um, keeping going, um, towards kind of what your instinct is with what's working. Um, and not know yeah not knowing what you're doing most of the time nine till nine you're in the whole day like sometimes you wouldn't have a plan because literally the day before you'd like discovered some really we were mainly doing clowning so it was about like making people laugh right so we found this one little thing and we're like oh well the next day you'd wake up and be like oh well that was that's not funny like phoebe jumping up and down for half an hour is not funny and and you have to scrap everything and you don't have a plan for that. So it's like, you know, <laughs> it's what the rehearsal process is like. Like, you just learn to kind of um, be a bit more kind to yourself. And that's not, um, it's not easy. Like, I still struggle with it and it's still something I'm learning. Um, but, yeah, that's a kind of principle it taught me in order to accept I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah.
0: That's, that's great, that's great. And I'm like, from the acting side, I totally understand. So like, yeah, and I feel one thing about acting as well is like, you, you can have those moments, but it's the moment when you get it, when you get a character or when you get something in the scene that, for me, it's like, that. that's what taught me that lesson of like, you know, I've, there was one show that I, it was like the week before they were still thinking of cutting my character, um, just because I wasn't, I just wasn't getting that role at all. and. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I don't know what the switch was, but I got it. And it was just that whole thing of, oh, right, yeah, I, I didn't know what the hell was going on up until the moment where I did. And it like, you kind of have to be all right with learning that. But I guess with your with your style of fear, you said you're more into that devising. Yeah. You're not always in the unknown, essentially. You're, yeah, so... so yeah I don't know if I was, that was a question if that was just a point.
1: Yeah you are put constantly in the unknown when you're devising you're you you are um making things from scratch right you don't have a script you don't have um you might do some I mean some devising theatre companies work with a script but um there's not really like a a set way of doing it like you know um you could start with a piece of movement or um you could be starting with a poem you could be it's kind of open in that way um which kind of is what appealed to me um especially like coming from a background where like my dad's um, a musician so he like he would do gigs in pubs and stuff like that and my mum was always into like doing accents and um, I just grew up like uh, surrounded by a lot of different types of art, so I never really saw myself as like one thing. Like, mm. I never really wanted to be like just an actor. I always just wanted to do everything. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um,
0: yeah. With that in mind, um, what like it's a it's a weird question because I personally think both are linked. But what have, what have, what has resonated with you? Or is that you more at the moment? Is it the acting side or the poetry side or then the organization side of that leading the workshops and leading these activities? what what I guess yeah, what's... What?
1: For me at the moment, um, especially doing projects, it's the uh, I'm in I would say a season a season of like organizing and facilitating spaces. Because I'm learning quite a lot about my own practice through that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, but then secondary to that is poetry. I think um, uh, having done like Roundhouse Poetry Collective and being part of Barbican Young Poets, those spaces where you can create community and write together are so valuable to me. And I just like see that as part of my job as a poet to create those spaces for other people um so I kind of like see them as like intertwined and the theatre is also just like another tool I don't know if there's a name for the thing that I like doing most (laughs) but like yeah I like I'm not such a fan of like theatre industry you know I wouldn't call myself an actor like I'm more interested in Real people creating community spaces and art making together, if that makes sense. Community (laughs) poets. Just working it out as I go along, as I speak.
0: (laughs) I like how you was more hesitant on the poet side. Community poets?
1: I think a lot about is that um like when you call yourself a poet it's really hard because it's associated with being um like you're being really self-indulgent like I'm a poet you know at, right and I struggle with that I struggle with like calling myself a poet because people associate it with that and they look at me like you're a poet like you You really think that much of yourself that you're gonna say that, but it's you have to say it. You have to be like, "I'm a poet and I don't care if you think it's self-indulgent. The tools I use are words. I don't write books. I write poems. That's my form. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I think on that. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Did you, did you big time relate to that? Did it really just really <laughs> yeah, like, Big time relate to that. Like I started doing poetry and like all my friends were doing grime and we all wanted to be grime MCs. And it is, it's a bit awkward being like, yeah, yeah I'm the poet of the group. <laughs> Everyone's doing like gangster rap and I'm just there like, yeah, yeah, do some poetry. It's sort of weird. so no weird. No, but like, I think it also goes back to uh, when we imagine a poet, you know, there's always that initial image, and I think for a lot of people, that initial image is uh, stuck-up middle-aged white man. Like, you know, that's oh, actually, no, not even middle-aged, more on the older older side of things. Like, oh, yeah,
1: oh, white men, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that is that is still, unfortunately, like the that's what we see, um, and that's why you know uh, you've got this whole divide between performance poets and page poets and. All of these things but the bottom line is we are poets um it's what we do It's it, it, it's it's kind of yeah that's this part and parcel we just need to embrace it but also part of us embracing it changes that image of po- of what we think poets are so yeah it it can definitely feel eggy and cheesy as anything but yeah the more we embrace it the more it helps other people so then yeah, um yeah embrace it and take the title that they should you know if you're a young poet you're a young poet doesn't matter if all your friends do grime. Jesus.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but, like, also, like, grime is is just, like, a branch of poetry and music. And, um, yeah, it's interesting also in that respect, like, how grime has a set of social um, expectations that poetry doesn't. And it's, like, what does that mean? Like, I find that interesting that they are, different spaces and different pockets and different types
0: of people and it's like no like that's why i'm i'm really i'm um, enjoying like the new there's 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 i would say it's a new wave because the two people i'm thinking of aren't exactly new musicians but there is a good crossover of poetry and, and uh, music um in the uk scene at the moment especially with like koji radical who started off like yeah. very much spoken word based um uh, I can't remember what the name of the song was The One With The Garden and that was like that was an epic poem essentially but now he's doing like um, songs with gets and like real real grimy songs with gets that are just oh, great um, and then you've got people like Dave whose music itself was very it's just very poetic like there's like long epics behind um, melodic beats like very poetic in essence so definitely that crossover, that bridge Um, is happening a lot and here's one question and I'm you know it's something that we definitely would face quite a lot but do you get that pushback do you get that pushback when you get into you know youth groups when you go to schools whatever do you have that initial thing of when you're like we're gonna do some poetry and everyone just goes (laughs) (laughs) how have you like overcome that
1: um in most of the spaces that I've facilitated the the participants have usually had some experience in writing poetry or even just dabbled in it. They know what they're expecting, mm-hmm. um but I have been to schools um facilitating poetry, and you do get that response. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> like just kind of yeah, um, and there I think there is that still that preconception, and that's because the education system is full of old white men who were writing literature who were dead you know it's um i don't know why we're still continuing with that curriculum to be honest um i i don't this is also the reason why i got into devising because i i'm not a fan of shakespeare i don't i appreciate some of it appreciate some of it as yeah as a poet yeah fair enough some of it's lovely gorgeous but we don't need to keep churning him out, this old dead white man. <laughs> Why do we continue to churn him out every single year? Thousands of Shakespeare's—that's ne- that 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 shouldn't be happening.
0: Oh my god! I'm laughing <laughs> because, like, not only am I currently doing like Shakespeare productions and oh, stuff. Shit. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) because I I totally agree with you but I love Shakespeare and I do think he's an amazing writer but I also think it's like it is the fact that we're so hung up on him is still part of the issues with why people are scared to uh, align with poetry I think Mm. Shakespeare's a great writer and the stories are amazing but like the stories and the essence and what the stories say can all, I mean they have been translated to newer works, and more relevant works, and works that don't particularly, um... so one thing that people find um, of putting about Shakespeare, I think is actually one of the greatest things about it, is the fact that you have to translate the language, in a sense, and, like, I feel like gaining an extra understanding of language is always going to be powerful, but it's not the best way to introduce kids to poetry, like, it instantly put you off. Like it, it took me until my mid twenties to get into Shakespeare. Hated it for me. Um, so yeah, I I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from, and I think it's about how we how we sell poetry and poetry in schools is terrible. If if the way they taught poetry in schools was to get kids to sit down and watch deaf and poetry, there'll be a lot more poets in the world right now. Right. Like, yeah, a
1: hundred percent. Um. Yeah it's it's so backdated the way that we are teaching it and actually a lot of the curriculum in general and even in degree level like in my in my degree we were still like looking at uh theater practitioners who are like very very old dead white men or you know still like um still alive and going practitioners who are like known like abusers and like not great you know I like (laughs) it's like why are we supporting that why are we continuing to put that in our education system when when it's yeah it's yeah it it baffles me um but uh, there is there is you know some movement towards it to like changing it but it's just you know doing
0: a little bit of a smattering of something over there just isn't going to work. No, <laughs> <So>. no. <laughs> it's not going to change. That, and that's a really good point. I don't get why in this world with so many writers, so many performers, we still have to focus on these few that have been proven yeah. to be not good people. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to, before we, you know, get a little bit... Um, I, I think I, I warned you earlier I'm going to put you on the spot and make you think of a prompt. Oh, spot. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Before
0: we get to that, yeah. though. I just wanted to... Um, you know one congratulate you because the show was great like the kids really come out they shone, and the pieces were they were beautiful and like they were beautiful because of what they were talking about I think people hear about shoes and think it's just just shoes and like I think because of where I came from and what we what we chose as status symbols like shoes were a very big part of it and um yeah like the way you got these stories out of the kids i just want yeah i just wanted to understand how you got those stories out of the kids like what was that process like yeah how how did that out how did you go from meeting these kids to those amazing poems that they developed so
1: we we've done a number of different things so I can talk more about what we did in the poetry aspect, but Alex and Ben would have their own pedagogies that they're dealing with it in their own ways. We start the whole process with a prompt scene that's like this. Um, it's a collection of different prompts that they can do outside of the sessions, um, but they are one uh, kind of um, exercises that we refer to. But we, get, we, in essence, get them to think about um places that their shoes make them think of places they've been in them um we get them to explore uh like reimagining what those trainers can do um so it's kind of about exploring the past uh what our experiences are like in the present with trainers and then what we imagine in the future or like things that don't exist to be so we we have poetry prompts that are centered around that Um, we use a tool called free writing quite early on in the process as a way for to get them into writing and not censoring yourself and just allowing and letting things be. Um, Also that thing of walking into the unknown that we were talking about before just being like I don't know what I'm doing I'm going to keep going it's just the action of writing so we use a lot of those tools. Um, Also looking at So looking at different poetic forms that um, they might be able to edit and take inspiration from um, to display their work. Because as an exhibition, we're looking at not just the page, uh, we're looking at page poetry, how it looks, you know, it being visual as well as written, um, but also being performed. So we're allowing them to have experience in those two things play around with that themselves and give them agency over that so um that's the kind of things we do um but also we allow space for discussion so um for I know for for a few of Alex's sessions who's the visual artist he's asked questions about what they think of their trainers like um what do they think of you know, trainer hype if they know anything about it. Um, the the idea of the ugly trainer, or um, we'll just get them to discuss topics because I think discussions are really important space to for, for ideas to kind of bubble up. And it's when we're like a bit more relaxed and just chatting like this that you realise things. So um, yeah, it's a, a number of different ways. And yeah, Ben doing beatboxing, so he does like beatboxing workshops. So. Taking inspiration from the sounds you hear in the trainer shop and creating soundscapes around that, and thinking about how you can record that as well, how you can record uh, poetry and integrate it with sound as well. So, yes, that's, that's the many, many things we do. It's
0: just a <laughs> yeah.
1: little okay.
0: thing. That, yeah, six, six. It's like a whole yeah. experience. And like, yeah, I, I, I'm very much. I believe in the power of conversation. What you said there was like, very true is when you have these casual conversations, you're able to uh, explore and delve deeper into certain things. Um, yeah. And I, I seriously, I think it's a great project because like, shoes are so, like they say so much about us. Like even that, that, what you said earlier about the idea of the ugly shoes, right? I don't think shoes, like I, I don't think we can get ugly shoes when you think about like, it's all about, People's perspectives and like some shoes that I find extremely ugly are perfect for people because they speak to who they are, and I think mm. so. It's, it's a beautiful project, and the kids' poems. I think they were able to explore that element of who they were through their shoes and what these things meant to them. So it's great. It's a great project. um Oh man, I rambled myself out of a question I just had.
1: <laughs> easily done. Easily done. <laughs>
0: that's terrible that's terrible oh yeah i wanted to know what is your favorite pair of shoes though what's your pay- favorite pair that you my bought?
1: favorite so it's funny you asked that question because um on our instagram page we run something called crep check so i chat with a sneakerhead or an artist about their favorite pair of trainers and every time like, <laughs> i get on there like in the early ones i, I just bought a different pair because i just don't I don't know. <laughs> at the moment, I'm wearing quite a lot. My I've got a pair of Reeboks um, that are the wor- workouts, I think they're called. And they're, like, suede and, like, light, light pink. And they, they are so dirty at the moment. Um, <laughs> so, like, but they're just so comfortable and easy to wear. And also, actually, because... I'm learning to skateboard at the moment. So they're comfortable okay. to, like, try and give that a go. So I'm, like, going out fully kitted out in my helmet, in my, like, elbow pads, knee pads, <laughs> everything, and my Reeboks on. So I feel like, you know,
0: you've
1: got to keep safe when you're learning how to skateboard at 24. So...
0: <laughs> I, I, I don't think you're ever too old to learn how to skate. Um, I'm going to learn soon. True.
1: Yes, do roll, it. Oh roll my god, tell
0: me. Roller skating or skateboarding. A skateboarding.
1: A skateboarding. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because sick. um are you gonna do rollerblading?
0: Everyone doing rollerblading. rollerblading and so I can't cool. lie, it looks cool as yeah. as anything. It looks cool as anything. So I'm um, yeah, but I'm also like a sly like indie kid. I love skater stuff. Like I just literally even what I just ordered now was like um like SB stuff so like like cool. the skateboard yeah so like I love skatewear um but I don't I I am also I'm more scared of skateboarding than I am of rollerblading and I would look like a poser so yeah good luck though <laughs> I'm sure you will be a lot a lot more easier <laughs> than i would be I'm, just, I'm sorry I'm just looking at the Reeboks classics and these are yeah yeah they're they're not the classics sorry the workouts um, yeah. good pair. Good pair, good pair. I like the, the, the design. They're Sorry,
1: they're they're <laughs> like I'm very like chilled, you know, uh trainer. You can wear them with pretty much anything. Because I have quite a few that I've that you know are quite big and chunky and like I quite like those as well. But you know, when you're just quickly running out, and I'm not really going out that much, it's it's they're easy to just pair with something. So yeah.
0: Smart, you need you need that, you need that casual. What
1: are your favorite trainers at the moment?
0: Oh at the moment, I can't lie, I bought a pair of Jordan Zooms that have just like they're a little bit. Oh big. my But um my actual favourites at the last year has been um Puma's released like a whole um series of Rx, like Rx yeah, yeah. series.
1: those are nice. Do you find that have you got a pair?
0: Yeah, I've got a few. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
1: find them because when I tried them on, they were really hard. I don't know if I've got very soft, delicate feet that are just like, no! Um, but, yeah.
0: They're one of the most comfortable shoes I've had, I've got at the moment. Um, okay. nice. Like, okay. like, the, the,
1: the
0: PMRX. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, here's the fin. So, there's... i to go get my whole collection now. But there's, like... I've got, like, um two or three casual pairs of them that I'm like, I can just chuck them on straight away and they're real comfy. They're all, but then I've got two, yeah, about two pairs that are like more like, even though they're the RX, they're like more like dress shoes. You know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. they're a bit smarter and those are a bit harder in the sole. So like, okay. well, you can tell by the design. They're really smart with the design. Like you can tell when they designed it to be casual wear, when they designed it to be a bit more like a, you know, formal thing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, PMRX is PMRX is definitely up there at the moment. So that's been fun. We now know each other's Um, But I just wanted to know if you've got a prompt for us. If you've got prompt?
1: prompt for okay, us. okay, okay, okay. think. I mean, I can give I can give you a prompt from the zine. So this is um. Uh. In the in, So in one of the pages, this is the origin story um, part of this, the zine. And so Tatenda Machai, um, who is the other poet that I work with on poetry, um, she came up with this prompt. So I'm actually handing you a prompt from someone else, but I really like it. Um, so it's, um, it's just a series of questions, but are, are there a pair of shoes you feel more you in um, or a little bit extraordinary when you're wearing them? So write the origin story of how you came to your extraordinary shoes by filling in the blanks with one or two words for each answer. Um, For superheroes and performers, their clothing and masks transform them into their superhero selves or their alter egos. Nicki Minaj has Chun-Li, Clark Kent as Superman, T'Challa as Black Panther, Daniel Dumoulin as MF Doom. You can be as imaginative or true to life as you want to be. Remember, this is your alter ego's origin story. So, uh, yeah, just think about your first encounter with your trainers. What time of day was it? And um, what did you hear? What did you smell? What did you feel? Taste? Uh, what transformation occurs when you put on your trainers? And what personal skills? do these shoes increase your ability to run fast, your ability to jump over buildings, defeat your mortal enemies. And then from those uh, kind of abilities, create your alter ego name for when you're in those shoes and use those things to create a story or a poem. Um, That's just like your little toolbox of things. So there you go. That's my prompt for you.
0: (laughs) Thank you. And I love the fact that that prompt had MF doom in it. Like, yeah, cool. Anything with MF involved, I'm there. Who's also like the master of putting on a different disguise and then just being a different person. <laughs> All right. Sick. Thank you so much, Phoebe. Um, before we go, there's also one thing I'd like to ask is if there's anyone at the moment that you think or you just want to give a, you know, like a shout out to, anyone you thought, oh, yo, you're, you're doing great at the moment or I just really like your stuff. And you think everyone else should, you know, invest mm, in it? It's a, a
1: good, question. Um, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Bad Betty Press, who published my pamphlet. Um, it's run by Amy Aker and Jack Wildhall, um, who are two great poets and kick-ass parents and running a poetry publishing house like together it's yeah and yeah I want to give a shout out to them they've recently published uh Amara's poetry collection and Joshua Judson Amara and my I can't remember her second name but I've just been reading her pamphlet um and both of their pamphlets are just amazing um they're just real champions of like you know like really getting people's voices out new poets and like for the UK wide I love them uh, anyone else? I, I want to shout out Earwax um, Collective, who um, recently, myself and Tatenda, who works on Crep Project as well, um, we released a mix of poetry and music inspired by the work body and the party body. Um, so I want to shout out Earwax, um, who allowed us to publish that. Um, that's run by um, Izzy and Esme. They're great.
0: that's amazing thank you um funny enough we had uh antonio j king on last. yes who was also published by Bad um so yeah Yeah. bad pay press are doing some great stuff uh seriously shout out to them um jake is someone who um, i'm aware (laughs) of personally and i think he's just amazing it's also been doing this jogging thing recently um couch to 5k which has been like dumb. I'm just being there like, damn, man, I need to run. <laughs> so, yeah, that no, is great. It's great. Um, thank you so much for your time, Phoebe. Really thank appreciate it. Um, yeah, appreciate your time. Really appreciate what you doing with the kids as well and the project. I think it's a great project. I think the cause and the stories that come out of it are really important. So thank you so much and, you know, all the best going forward. Um, to everyone, please. Check out Phoebe on her socials, which I should have got from her, which she's going to tell That's us. That's okay, about I how. can see
1: them. <laughs> I'm So I'm at Phoebe Sarah Wagner on Instagram. And then Crep Project is at Crep Project, uh, Crep.project uh, on Instagram as well. I'm most active on Instagram. So those that go there.
0: Insta gang, sick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, everyone. This is Miss Stir. <laughs> Enjoy your day. Peace. Spoken Not Stirred is produced by Studio Three Arts and is funded by Arts Council England and the London Borough of Barkin and Dagenham. For more information about our work, check out our website and our social media. Search for Studio Three Arts. Thank you.